0: Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Goins from the Reimagined Schools podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Coming up on episode
1: 118 of Podcast PD, we speak with author, speaker and podcaster Jake Thompson about grit and accountability in education. Let's start the show.
0: This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day, except you're going to have more fun with AJ Bianco and me, Chris Nessie. Let's start the show.
2: What's up, everybody? This is episode 118. I, I thought AJ was going to pick up the slack because I'm a little under the weather here in episode 118, but uh, he's going to make me do my thing. So my name is Chris Nessie, at Mr. Nessie on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my podcast PD compadre, Albert Jacob Bianco.
1: What's up, AJ? Thank you, Christopher. I'm so glad you throw that one in. That makes me Sorry, Andrew. Wow, you went that way too. <laughs> anyway, Sunday night, here we are, Podcast PD. Uh, how you doing? Uh, you're not feeling good. What's going on?
2: I uh, Some Allergies? nasally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, take some antihistamines. Uh, super fun times. Right yeah. in time for my spring break.
1: Right, That's good though. So you can lead spring break, not feeling too great. But you know what? It's baseball season. We got the Yankees. We're back. Life is good. Podcast is about good. the Yankees is always a good thing. Masters today on the Sunday, that was a good thing. Did, did Tiger win the Masters? No, Tiger does not win the Masters. Then However, I don't care. I fun story. Oh, fun story. The guy, the guy who won the match is my father-in-law's wife's nephew. Legit nephew. So there's a connection there. He's, oh, I met man. him once. Yes. Wow. He was invited to our wedding. He's busy. Oh, stuff. 10 years from now, you could say he was at your wedding. Okay, fine. But he's the first <laughs> New Jersey-born golfer. To wow. Even though, even though he lives in he's born in New Jersey. Cool. Fun facts, everybody. <laughs> That's what we bring here on Podcast PD. You know what else we bring? What else do we bring today? We bring amazing <laughs> guests. So I think yes, we should build the show because this is one that I am excited about that I've been telling y'all about for quite some time. So we're going to bring him here, and here we go. Jake Thompson, founder of the Compete Everyday brand, and your chief encouragement officer. Show designed to help driven people build a winning mindset so they can build their winning life. Jake's goal is to help you be great. Join the Compete Everyday podcast. I recommend that all the time so you can rediscover a strong mindset as well as find the skills you need to win your career, training, and life. Welcome, Jake, to Podcast PD.
3: What's up, AJ? What's up, Chris? Thanks for having me this evening, fellas. Oh,
1: man, The it's, honor it's, is ours. It's our honor, honestly. Thank you so much for joining. We are very excited about it.
3: Yeah, hey, and I know you're excited. Uh, what, Yanks had a great game yesterday with Donaldson's walk-off? Young. Rangers finally got a win today against the Blue Jays after Thank crapping you. the bed in the opener. So <laughs> yeah, yeah we, life's we good. Baseball that. season's back.
1: We appreciate Texas beating up on Toronto. That's uh <laughs> throwing out some flaws for the
3: Yankees. So uh you know, Chris. Jake, just so you Antians. know
2: too, AJ and I also do a Yankee podcast. Yes. So maybe we could bring you on to talk a little Rangers Yankees.
3: Yeah, there's not much I can bring to that discussion for Rangers Yankees. My my best friend is a diehard Yankees fan. He and his brother both grew up here in Dallas, uh, but they are through and through Yankees guys. And so uh, it's been pretty funny just some opportunities I've had over the years to go to a game or just meet some people that have worked with the organization. And and he, of course, they just dive into the history like it like a true Yankees fan mm-hmm. fan of the Bronx Bombers. They can tell you the history of everything because it's such a historic franchise that. Texas, we're, we're still getting over some heartbreak against the Cardinals, against the Giants. We're hoping we get another shot in the year or two, but you know, baseball, at least it's back and we have an AC stadium as of a few years ago. So I can at least enjoy the games in June, July versus avoiding the stadium during those hundred degree Texas summers.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful new stadium down there. I think uh, one day I'm going to take the boys, take my kids down and we're going to try to get all these stadiums hit up. You know, that, That's definitely one. Ma- make
3: now, it so it. great. American ballpark in Cincinnati as well oh. uh, is a fun one. And then Dodger Stadium. It's not nice like the obviously the new ballpark, but it's it's really cool to see uh, if you ever get out there for a game. And obviously, sunny SoCal weather's always great.
1: It can't go wrong over there. We'll definitely be trying those. All right, Jake. So let's let's run into things here. We uh, we titled this episode based on some of the things that you talk about. And that's grit and accountability, uh, especially for educators right now. We're, we're shot. We're at our wits end. Everything is kind of piling on top of us, whether we are in the classroom, whether we school leaders, um, but everything is kind of there. So when you talk about grit and accountability, what does that really mean to those people who just hear the word and don't?
3: Yeah, so I'll give you a little context in terms of my familiarity of with the education space, obviously having been a student. But uh, my mom was an elementary school teacher my entire life. My grandmother taught until she retired. Uh, my aunt and uncle both taught and were educators at the middle school, high school level. So I've been around that space and and seen people through a lot of the ups and downs. And and my mom in the last, you know, she retired in tw- end of 2020, uh, early 2021. So she's, you know, kind of went through the end of it uh, with COVID and everything else. And, and then just clients having had the chance to speak and do convocations and work with schools. I know y'all have had just a roller coaster few years. And, you know, the entire world has, but even more so because of just the expectations that really haven't shied away for teachers of trying to teach, learn, learn from home, and students being virtual in a lot of senses, trying to manage, you know, how do you keep the kids engaged, as well as just caring for their well being, because we know so many of the students suffered not being able to come to school where they had meals, where they had a little more safety, where there was just a number of things. And I know teachers have continued to just carry that from a mental perspective and and just wait because you, you all care so much about not only the students you have, but how can you help them take the next step, see their potential, see what, what could be and not necessarily accept what's always been for them. So, man, my heart goes out to you all so incredibly much. But at the same time, I'm inspired by what I've seen. And, and when I think grit and accountability, I kind of look at them separately. Grit is an internal decision that we make. It is fostered by our choices on a daily basis, where we focus in. And there's some things that we can absolutely do to improve that and how we show up. Accountability is where the community comes in, where our principals come in, where our staff meetings come in, where we're working with each other to help each other. And so if we we break it apart, we talk grit, really became a, a famous for mainstream with Angela Duckworth's book, uh, Grit, how pas- are all around passion and perseverance for a long-term goal. How do you essentially have a goal, stick with it, and get after it for the long game? when most people tend to fall off. And when I think about grit, I really tend to break it down into four key areas. And the way I try to remember it is grateful reps inspire tenacity. So grateful reps inspire tenacity because that is how I feel grit really is and how we build it. We maintain from a grateful standpoint, how are we mindful, which means we're locked into today. One of the best ways we build grit is by focusing on today, because with any goal, we lose motivation when we focus on what someone else is doing, when we focus on how far we have, you know, when the school year starts, if you're already thinking about getting out in May, you're going to have trouble in September, October, November, because it's so far away. And we do that with any of our goals. Day one, if we start looking at the finish line, we check out. So one way we build our grit is by being mindful in the present. And then being grateful for the chance to take those steps every day. Reps. We know reps. We talk reps all about getting those repetitions. Malcolm Gladwell talked about the idea of being an expert with this 10,000 hour. rule. There's really not science that shows it's 10,000 hours. It's about how many intentional repetitions and practices can you get with that skill. And so we talk about just getting reps in. So if you're grateful for the opportunity and you're focused on today. Then the next question is, what steps can I take today to get a little bit closer? Instead of worrying about, man, what do I have to do next month, next quarter? Uh, what am I going to do after spring break? Think about tonight, Sunday night. What do I need to do Monday to help my students get one step closer to where they need to be? And what can I do to improve who I am and how I'm teaching? The Inspire side, this is that internal reason that I think every educator knows firsthand so much better than probably any industry and that's what got you into teaching what inspired you to get into it because maybe a teacher or a coach helped change your life they they helped you see potential in yourself that you never saw before maybe it's it's looking for an opportunity for that student that you just want to help them open their eyes to something else that inspiration is that thing we always go back to on those days that we question if we have what it takes whether we, we don't know if the words we're saying are getting through to students, whether we're struggling of connecting with parents. Going back to that inspiration piece is what keeps us showing up. And as Angela Duckworth would say, it's that passion piece with the perseverance. And then lastly, tenacity. Tenacity is the one that just pure stubbornness. Will you keep showing up on the days you feel like teaching and the days you don't? And so those Grit side, those are the choices we have to make. Will I show up today with an attitude of gratitude? Am I going to look at the opportunities I have or am I going to be frustrated by what's outside of my control? Am I going to look for the repetitions of what I can do to improve my students, improve myself? Am I going to remind myself why I got into this in the beginning? And am I going to tell myself, no matter what, I'm going to show up today? So grit is a choice on the personal side. The accountability side, this is where the team comes in. Because what we have to do as a team is continually communicate and reinforce those messages of grit with each other of how are we showing up? What are we doing to focus on what's in our control? How are we being solution seekers instead of seeking problems? And one of the best ways that I always love to talk to educators about this is what's our language like internally? Do we use the teacher's lounge as a place to vent, cry, complain, whine? talk about things that are outside of our control, vent about things that are outside our control, which, man, it feels good over a cup of coffee, but let's be honest. Venting is nothing more than complaining. It's talking about a problem with zero intention of finding a solution. And so if our lounges and our offices become the places that we keep going to with the negative, we have no chance to build gratitude because we're not creating a space for gratitude, or we have no opportunity to build grit because we're not creating a space for gratitude or a place to talk about how we're getting reps, or a place to remind ourselves of what inspires us. So we have to be intentional about how we use our sacred spaces on campus, and more importantly, what language we use. Are we saying, I have to do this, or I get to do this? That? That's a huge one that, that everyone can benefit from, because when we have to, it feels heavy, it feels burdensome. I have to go to work, I have to teach this lesson, I have to do this. It feels like it's weighing you down, whereas I get to is an opportunity. I get to go to work today. I get to impact kids' lives today. I get to do all these things that I wanted to do growing up. And then you talk about, we talked about it, Chris, before we hopped on air. Yet, the power of the word yet. Putting it at the end of the sentence, I'm not where I thought I would be in my career. I'm not as good teaching this subject as I want to be. I'm not, you name it. Versus, I'm not where I want to be in my career yet. I'm not as good teaching this subject yet. Yet is that subtle boost of confidence to ourselves that we may not be there right now, but if we keep working the process, we'll get there. And that's one that just over and over and over again continues to reinforce. And then finally, how are we talking about these type of seasons when we know we're all stressed? We know we're all busy. We know we've got so much going on. But there's an interesting way we talk about words. And one of the most important is busy versus productive. A lot of people would... Think they're kind of the same. If you're busy, you're getting things done. And productive means you're getting things done. But if we take a step back, busy is this idea of a hamster on a wheel. You're always checking things on a to-do list. You're always adding more. You're always going, going, going. You're exhausted. Nobody wants to be busy. Productive, you're going, going, going. You're tired. You're worn out. But at the end of the day, I know I got things done that helped me get better. And it's not really a big difference, except how are we using the words and reframing it? And so with our teachers, are we saying we're busy today or we're going to have a productive day? Are we stressed or are we growing? Both require discomfort, both, you know, sometimes painful situations. They can last a little longer than we want, but stress is overwhelming. It's negative. It weighs us down growth. It's like breaking through the soil as a plant. It's uncomfortable. You got to push your way through, but I know I'm getting better. And so that's where that big accountability piece comes in is how are we internally taking it upon ourselves to talk about these things, to change our language, to reinforce and encourage grit so that we keep showing up every day? Because at the end of the day, education, it's not about us. It's about the kids we're trying to impact and the futures they can go create. Jake,
2: one thing first, based on, uh, you said that you have a number of family members who were in education. My my first quick question is, how did you avoid becoming an educator yourself?
3: (laughs) So, I mean, if you think about it, that's kind of what I do now. Uh, (laughs) I looked, you know, I looked, uh, I growing up thought I was going to be the next Jerry Maguire, literally coming out of grads or uh, undergrad all the way through grad school. Like I was focused on that route and then got out because it really wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I looked at coaching. I looked at high school coaching. I looked at getting into the classroom. I spent some time substitute teaching uh, while I was doing grad school as well. And so I got a little bit of a feel for it, uh, but ultimately wasn't what I wanted um, for a number of reasons just for me and what really lights me up was not being in that one location every day, that classroom. The opportunity to impact was, but the setting wasn't. And so that ultimately, funny enough, is kind of where it's led me now as, as coach and speaker and writer, is how can I teach and help others? Without having that single classroom, I mean, I classroom for me is kind of the internet now, uh, so I look at it very differently, but yeah, I my mother laughed that growing up, our like small Texas Baptist church that I went to growing up, the preacher was always like, Oh, you're gonna be a pastor one day, and I always laughed and was like, You have no idea what I'm doing on the weekends, I'm definitely <laughs> not gonna be a pastor. And now, flash forward 20-something years, I'm teaching and also speaking on stages. Um, And so I think coming from the education background in my family really helped me because more than anything, it taught me at a young age to love learning and to be curious and to figure it out. And even though I kind of got away from it in my 20s, and like a lot of us in our 20s, we think we know it all, it was kind of getting back into that mindset of always being the student. How can I learn? And then how can I share that? That really has influenced how my career has gone since.
1: Go ahead, AJ. No, I'm just I'm kind of fascinated by that. Yes, you are a teacher. I don't think about it like the way you just put it down, but it's absolutely correct. Like you know, you got the podcast, you got the brand, you got all those things. You're, you're giving people this this mentality it really pushes them to do more. It's the same thing we do in our schools. We push our kids to do more. And a lot of the things that you hit on with grid are why you know I haven't really translated that assistant principal to my staff. You know, I try to put those things in there every now and but like. I get I get a little nervous with the whole idea like toxic, but I use those things with students and I tell them I'm like like hey you know every day I'm at the at the door. Good morning, how are you doing today? I'm so tired. I didn't want to get out of bed. Well, you're here and we're, and we're gonna do the right thing today, right? We're gonna we're gonna start our day the right way. Oh, I didn't want to be here. I had to get out of bed. So I'm I'm trying to change their wording as they come to me at the door every day. But you know when we think about adults, if we're teaching adults, because Chris and I this is about professional development. How do we push adults? To that mindset, I know it's it's like convincing, it's brainwashing in a way. But you know, how do we get adults to that? I can just kind of poke at them and say, "Hey, I told you yesterday, it's about you know, the outlook of the day, not just our break is ten days away."
3: Yeah, no, you know, there's a, there's a couple things. So one, I am hundred percent in the camp with you. I hate toxic positivity. I hate this idea of think positive and everything is going to work out because it's not. Thinking positive while the house is on fire is a recipe to burn alive. Thinking productively and optimistically, that's grounded in realism. It says, okay, the house is on fire. What's the most productive thing I can do right now? Get out. And so we've got to shift our mindset from kind of the negative into the productive. And the interesting thing is science shows negative thinking will absolutely hurt our opportunities, how we show up, how we work. Toxic positivity does the same thing in the long. It's the productive thinking because it's what's in my control What's the situation and how am I going to adjust? And so it's really reframing one, how we talk about shifting our mindset into productive thinking. The way with adults though is is pretty simple from a, it's got to start at the top. It has to start principal, vice principal. It's got to start at the board because here's the deal. You're every day trying to create a culture for your students, but more importantly, a culture for your teachers. And every great culture has a few keys. One of which, what are our values and what are our standards? Not only what are our values and our standards, because we probably got them on the wall. We have them in code of conduct books. We have them everywhere. Do we all understand what these words mean? And the reason I say that is because normally when I go speak to a room and I'm doing leadership development, I'll ask them, let's talk about a word like discipline. And I'll ask what the definition is and I'll get five or six definitions of it. Sometimes people actually even tell me the definition of obedience instead of discipline. And obedience is doing what you're told, what you're supposed to. Discipline is really self-control. It's understanding and doing the decisions regardless of who else sees it, who else knows it. You're doing what is going to help you or what puts you in the best position. And so that kind of self-control versus obedience is big because with one word, when we see discipline on a wall, some people are thinking, do what I'm told. Some people are doing control myself. Some people are thinking, do what's right regardless of who's watching. So, Even as educators, we all have different ideas of different words. So we have to first get everybody on the same page with what these words and values are. And then we constantly have to be communicating. It can be something as simple as having a quarter jar in the teacher's lounge. And if we catch you saying busy, you drop a quarter in. We're productive today. And and, and I say that because quarter, it's easy. It's not a big deal, but it's like crap. I got to start thinking about this. We got to start talking about this. Yeah. (laughs) You got to constantly be reinforcing it. So we have to know what the words are. We have to define them. And then we have to continually reinforce it. And when you do it from a standpoint of, especially on the educator side, you do it as a standpoint is I'm doing this because I want to help you because I want to help me because I want to help our kids because our kids can't go from my classroom where we have these standards and we're talking about these things to another classroom where the teacher just doesn't care They're getting two different mixed messages and they're going to naturally go to the one that's easier and more comfortable, which is the one that allows them to be complacent. So we have to do that. The other thing we have to do is kind of get each other out of our comfort zones to say like at the end of the day, we're all a team. And for some of us, our students are like uh, bamboo trees. Beautiful example. Kid shows up in class, he's struggling and you work on that kid all year and you see nothing. And the next year that teacher gets them and it's the same struggle. But then three or four years down the road, the kid just, all of a sudden, everything clicks and the kid starts growing. And that one teacher can think, oh, I'm amazing. I did something nobody else could. Or that teacher can say, hey, I need to go tell all these other teachers for the last four to five years that struggled. Thank you for continuing to water this student. Thank you for continuing to pour into them because you're the reason there was a turning point in my classroom. It wasn't me. It was because of something I said and everything else y'all poured into So when we create those connections and those conversations, then it's just not about how great am I at teaching my subject. It's how are we all supporting each other from a language standpoint and from a celebration standpoint when a student succeeds. And so that's how we start to do it is is we build that team. And before we can build it, we have to define it. We got to get everybody on the same page. We got to verbally reinforce it. And then we have to make sure that not only are we discussing you know, discipline and and punishments when we get off track, but how are we praising the effort, the showing up, the good things that, I mean, same thing we want to teach our kids, like the kid that's struggling, but keeps showing up, keeps studying, keeps working. You want to keep praising their work ethic because they're going to start to associate praise. And it's a good thing if you continue to be consistent and work hard, which regardless of how they end up, what their final GPA is in high school, if that sticks, they're going to be set up for the rest of their lives, which is the goal at the end of the day. That help answer your question a little bit, AJ? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I just, I, I'm, I'm
1: watching Chris. I'm trying to see what his face is. <laughs> he, he's about to go on some tangent. I know him. So I was going to let him kind of jump in there. But Jake, that was that was absolutely uh, something that, that, that I've been thinking about because you, you just hit on like my goals for the next school year and beyond with classrooms and working together as a team and having not different classrooms where kids have to kind of, I don't know code switch I guess is is a way to look at it. but, but yeah. like we all have to fit in the same in the same mold have the same expectations understand our all, all of our why's why are we in school and what are what are our kids supposed to do but, but yeah you're you're definitely you're hitting on some things But I'm like I'm like Christian I see his I see the wheels move it's not a tangent uh but Jake the, the things that you're
2: talking about I I see I reflect on myself and I'm guilty of both ways of looking at this I at times am the teacher who I know I can go into the faculty room and I can sit with my, my colleagues and, and we can bitch and moan and complain. And, you know, we have our peanut butter filled pretzels. We, we vent some stuff out and, you know, we move on, but we also, at the same time, we'll spend another 20, 25 minutes talking about, all right, what are you doing in your class? What are these projects you're designing? And we're actually collaborating and we're trying to do the right thing. So I don't think you said that to make people like me feel bad, but what practical advice do you have for, or or what is the role of venting or like, how can you do that in a positive way that's not toxic and it's not going to hold educators back, I
3: guess. What are you doing to find a solution for the situation and how are you responding with what's in your control? And I say that because that's the exact question you would ask the person venting. I'm not saying this to diminish you. Absolutely. I have empathy of what you're going through. But tell me, what is a solution that we can look for? What is something, how are you responding to it? Because coming into the lounge and complaining about it is literally doing nothing but spreading a negative energy and attitude about a situation that you're not taking ownership of regardless of how big or how little you've influenced it and starting to seek a solution. And that eats cultures alive. And so... It really is us just kind of drawing a line and saying, you know what? We've used the lounge in this space to complain before. It feels good to complain. It feels good to talk about our problems. It's a lot harder to work on. And there's some things we're going to vent on that we can't change the situation. But how are we choosing to respond? Because regardless of what the situation is, we still 100% control our attitude, our effort, and our actions. And as leaders, because at the end of the day, if you're a first year teacher or you're in your 40th year. You are a leader because you are a person of influence. And if you're a more veteran teacher, that means younger teachers are looking to you. And everything you do is setting an example. Think about a first-year student or first-year teacher. They walk in the lounge and all they do, ooh, this is a place we get to come in and vent, pitch, and complain and talk all bad about the students. I love it. This is great. That sets a poor example in 20 years when they're the veteran and just teaching the same thing. You see it in workplaces when a manager was never trained how to manage – they don't know how to train the people below them. And so it's just a constant game of of playing catch up and trying to figure it out and poor leadership. So the same has to be in the teacher's lounge. Like if you're a first year, second year, 15th year, you have to draw a line in the sand and say, if we're really about impacting students, then we have to be about impacting ourselves and setting the example first. And that means drawing a line in the sand. And that means saying, you know what? This is no longer a place we're gonna vent. We can talk about a problem without venting them. Because venting means we're not looking for a solution or how to productively or effectively respond to it. We just want to talk and complain about it. That's the difference. Venting is complaining. Simple as that. But if we come in and we talk about the situation and here's what's frustrating me and I would love to find a, a way I can respond or something I can do. Does anybody have any ideas that would be helpful? Well, then you're actually sourcing solutions and you're not venting. You're talking about a problem you're having and you're going in a problem solving mode. When you just want to talk about the problem and not seek solutions internally or externally, you're venting. And that's heavily negative for cultures and sets a poor example because we wouldn't want our students to come into the class and vent and complain about the assignment we just gave them. We'd want them to figure out the solution on how they're going to get it done and get an A.
2: It it, it makes sense. Part of me wants to defend myself and say, I'm never going in. I'm not complaining about students. I'm complaining about all the other things that I have to deal with as an educator.
1: Say it. Administration
2: policy and red tape and procedures and things that I can't ultimately control that I have to ultimately work within, you know, certain confines. And, uh, I mean, as I've become a more veteran teacher, I am more, uh, empowered to go and have those challenging conversations with a vice principal or a supervisor to, you know, state my point of view and ask more questions than I would as a, as a novice educator, um, See, I don't think I'm all bad.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And and I don't think it's a a good or a bad. It's a, how can we be more positive and productive in our influence instead of in negative opportunities? And that's the one thing about not only education, but everything. We're all going to have facets of our job that we do not control, that we cannot change, that we have to deal with other people's constraints. We can respond effectively with our effort, our attitude, and our actions, or we can respond negatively. And that's always our choice. And so even though there are things that are outside of our control, sports, there's refs that make bad calls and you can lose your cool and you can complain. Maybe you get a technical, maybe you get thrown out of the game. Maybe it feels good to scream and cuss at the ref, but they don't change the call. So if you're focused on the ref and the blown call they just made, you lose your ability to make the next play when the game is back on as effective as you could been. Because your focus is in the past. It's on what's outside of your control. The key to life is learning what's outside of our control and what's inside of our control and putting all of our effort into what's in our control and how we respond to what's outside of it.
1: I think you said something there that that really is important. I don't know if anybody else caught it, but you said when you respond, you can respond effectively or respond negatively. I like you didn't say respond positive because that's what we were just talking about. Effectively yep. is much different. It goes back to that solution. It goes back to- problem solving so i i appreciate it like, as somebody who listens to your podcast every literally every single day um i i i like the message of you know this is on you you can be better you can improve here's how you do it and it's not just so you know here's some here's an idea just you know, good luck with it but i i love that respond effectively um so so jake i guess for me like how do you get into these mindsets because as i said at the beginning right obviously you've trained yourself, you've gone through the, you've spoken to mentors and coaches. Um, but, you know, for educators who are just shot, who are ready to mail it in it's still only April, there's still so much time left you know, for, for us, we're going until June, late June and other schools are you know, finishing up. But that mindset, how do we get into that mindset where we can be effective and not just go into.
3: Yeah. Uh, reps. So the the grit sign, grateful reps, inspired tenacity. So it, You're not going to be able to flip a switch Monday morning and suddenly be ready to rock and roll. But, but it comes down to how are you asking yourself questions? So when you wake up Monday morning, taking five minutes before you go out the door, maybe when you have a cup of coffee or something, what's in my control and what is my focus for today? The more we can focus in on today, what we need to do today, how we can make an impact today. And the less we worry about May, much less June, the more effective we are because The past, we can't change the last six months or six years. The future, we can influence, but we only influence by doing what we can do today, which is the only day we control. So the most important thing is every day setting the intention on what can I do today? The second is when things derail you throughout the day, which they naturally will. You'll get caught up in a conversation in the lounge. You'll have a student talk back to you. You'll get handed something by administration that you don't want to deal with. You have to take a breath and then ask yourself this question. What's important now? When? What's important now? Because what you, what that does is pull our focus off of what we just heard, what frustrates us, what's outside of our control and says, okay, what's important now, which is what's in my control and how am I going to respond? And that's really where we start to get in that mindset. And so for me, it's just the natural rep of putting in that time when I feel myself getting flustered, when I feel something's not going according to plan, when I'm getting messed up, what's important now? Okay. What's my attitude? What's my effort? And what actions can I take? And then most of all, what am I going to focus on? Because focus is kind of that fourth controllable that we can control what we choose to focus on. I know I told the story. You've heard it. I've talked about it on the podcast. Chris, for you, when, when COVID hit, y'all's world changed. My world as a speaker 1000% changed because all of my gigs disappeared like that. And so I had a frustrating day. I was mad. I was angry. I was upset. I was no idea what was going on. And the one thing I remember is I took out a sticky note and I wrote down what's still in my control and then what can I still do? Put the sticky note right on my computer screen. I went downstairs. My wife had gotten home from work. I think we had a couple of drinks and sat and watched a movie that night and I was in a crap mood that night. But the next morning I woke up, I went upstairs and said, cool, what's in my control? How am I gonna respond? What am I gonna do in my business? I have no idea if this two weeks to flatten the curve is gonna take two years or what, but what can I still do? And I started looking at, I made changes in my business and I started reaching out to people and I started creating different content. I couldn't change the situation. I couldn't change what happened to me. I couldn't change the negative outcome. I could change how I responded. And in the biggest turn in life that we've seen really over the last few years is we can be a victim to what happens to us outside of our control, or we can choose to be a victor by responding effectively with what's in our control. And at the end of the day, every single day, if we wake up with the intention that I'm going to be the victor, I'm not going to be a victim to the circumstances, I'm still going to respond to the best of my ability as productively and as effectively as possible. And when I get myself off track during the day, I'm going to remind myself, what does it take to win right now? What's important now? That's my next move. I focus on the next step. And we do that day after day. You get pretty good at it. I don't know what day it is, but it's kind of like Simon Sinek says, going to the gym one day You can work out for 20 minutes. You can work out for eight hours. You're not going to notice a change the next day. But you keep going to the gym every day for about 20 minutes. And at some point, could be four months, could be a year, you notice a very dramatic difference. Because eventually all those little reps you put in started stacking up to create really big results. And I love to say it's the can't-see choices we make when we're frustrated, when things are put on our plate that we don't like, when our situation is not the way we want it. Those can't see choices in how we respond create the can't miss results we have over time. And if we want that can't miss result to be one that's productive and in our favor, then we have to learn to make the winning choices in the can't see moments in order to We create-
1: got You got
2: it. I'm just on? listening, I'm learning
3: and oh, taking yeah. it all in. Exactly.
1: Exactly. I got my notes. Um, oh, Jake, that this is this is so much. You know, one thing you kind of hit on it and I don't I don't need you to get too personal. We talk about COVID, right? And this whole thing for us, when we talk about it, we look at it as educators and we're like, this is the perfect opportunity. Rebrand, educate, rebrand what's going on around us. You know, as somebody who's more independent, were you able to kind of rebrand you and what you bring to the table? Like you ask yourself, what's in your control? Is your control now? I have a new message. I can go out there and, and make some significant change or are you just kind of like, I'm going to go with what, what I know.
3: Yeah, no, it, it was definitely the former. So I had to suddenly get really good at Zoom presentations, which as we know is completely different than the in-person. I changed when we did our book release. We moved it up from September to June because of that. The one thing that it got me on a personal side is it got me a lot more reps in front of a camera that I probably wouldn't have gotten the first year or two. Uh, because I was forced at that point to say, I gotta film content for our social media audience because everybody's at home, they're stuck. I know that some of my clients are going to want virtual. So how do I make it engaging? Because I'm used to having the cheat code of being in person and I can look you in the eye and connect with you. And then more importantly is how do I get better at what I'm communicating? And that was just every rep, watching it, evaluating it, tweaking it. And so the last two years have been for me kind of a a grad school masterclass on how to tighten your content, how to get better at teaching it. And now at a standpoint of creating more visual models like teachers use all the time to really replicate and and teach some of these concepts. So for me, that was kind of the response. I really changed how we worked. I started creating virtual programs. We started creating additional products and resources because it was just the reminder of for me, like I was all in on trying to speak instead of what I need to be doing, which I do now is how do I coach and help you find solutions? I can do it on a stage. I can do it one on one or in a small group. But at the end of the day, I just help people build grit, improve their habits and focus and build a stronger mindset. Whatever that looks like, apparel, podcast, you name it, we're going to just create stuff that fits that. And so it forced you to adapt. So in the same sense for you, it's an incredible opportunity. But do you look at, oh, if I have to do another online class, it sucks. I don't want to do it. Or how can I make this one a little more engaging than the last one? What did I do really well last class? And where did it kind of suck for me? Personally, where did it drain me and where did I feel like I lost the kids? Okay, how can I try something different this time and look at it? And that really gets us into that teacher mentality of science. It's like a science teacher. In science, you have a hypothesis and you test it. It works or it doesn't. If it doesn't work, you don't beat yourself up. You don't say, I suck. I'm a terrible teacher. I'm a horrible coach. I, I, you say, okay, that idea didn't work. What's the next hypothesis? Well, I'm going to adjust something. I'm going to try it a little bit different. Do it again. And that's really how a life should be looked at. Instead of I'm a winner, I'm amazing, I'm the best teacher in the world, to I'm a failure, I'm never going to get it, I don't get technology, I can't stand this, da 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 So what's a science experiment? How do I get a little bit better? Well, I'm going to try this. And if it works, awesome, I'm going to build on it. If it doesn't, I'm going to try something different. And you take the emotion and the identity out of it, and you just focus on improving. And that goes back to building that tenacity part of grit, is because every day you're just showing up, trying to say, how do I get a little bit better than I was the day before?
2: I love it. It's all about the pivot.
3: All about the pivot. In life, we will never control what happens to us. We always control how we respond to it. The more effectively we become at responding and being able to adjust without getting emotionally identity attached to what happened, the more effective we become. Because instead of thinking, oh, I'm a t- I can't teach if I'm not in a classroom. Like, well, I just haven't mastered Zoom Yet, see, we change our language. We start to change how we show up, and then we start looking at the camera as a way to let me experiment, let me try stuff. This will be fun. And then you put yourself in their shoes of like, they're just craving for somebody to talk to and attention, and they've been stuck at home, and they're as tired of this as I am. So how can I make it more fun? And so how can I respond to this in a way that helps them respond more effectively?
1: That's so important. I think teachers need that. We need to we need to readjust to figure out who we are. How can we respond to these situations? Because it's very easy for us to say, okay, well, we're back in school now. Time to go back to our old ways. But really, we just got to keep moving forward. And we really got to keep figuring out the ways to get our student engaged and feel like they're part of the process. that They want to every single day. So, Jake, real quick, I, I want to be mindful of your time. We're, we're coming up to a little bit more than I wanted to. But why don't you tell us about Compete Every Day? Talk about the brand. Talk about the podcast. Talk about the book. Uh, tell everybody, you know, especially the book. You know, that that's like your personal story. I love the book. It was, it was extremely, extremely meaningful to me as I was reading that. Uh, over the summers. Why don't you, why don't you share the book with everybody out
3: there? Pre- appreciate it so much, my man. So the the book is called compete every day. It's on the seven, not so secret secrets to winning your work and life. I say, and, and I positioned it like that because it's really just seven choices that we all have the opportunity to make every single day. And they seem simple, but simple doesn't mean easy. But however, if we start embracing that mindset, like we've talked about tonight, how do you respond to things? How do you look for the productive thinking? Those choices become a little bit easier. And over time, they really start to separate us from settling, from average, from regret. And, and really, that was kind of the culmination of the brand. I was laughing tonight with my wife, and she kind of laughs. She's like, I've never heard that story. But really, Compete was born because when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I allowed fear to talk me out of going after a dream. And more than anything, it was disguised as discomfort. It was complacency, was all the disguises fear tricks us into believing. And because of that, I settled. And flash forward about 10 years later, I started seeing friends settle. Settle for careers they hated. Settle for relationships they didn't love. And I thought, there's a better way to live life. And what would it look like if we took this mentality of competing every day? and And not in the sense of me versus you, but in the idea that the definition of compete is to strive to gain or win something. And I look at it as striving to gain your full potential. And so every day when I talk about competing is what are you doing today to be better than you were the day before in the pursuit of what your full potential is? Because I know whether you win or whether you lose, if you show up every day and give your best, you always are saddled with a lighter burden than if you choose not to and you're carrying. And so the brand started, I was telling t-shirts out of the trunk of my car in May of 2011 when I started it didn't have a clue what I was doing. And, and over the last 11 years, it's kind of morphed and changed. And so now I have the opportunity to keynote speak all over the country. I do coaching with a number of, of clients and companies as well. Uh, and then as AJ mentioned, we have a podcast three to five days a week and in the book and, and hoping to get a book two out sometime late 2023. Uh, but really is all around that. How do you build the winning mindset to start making better choices on the day-to-day life, knowing that the better our choices, the better the actions we take. And in life, the better our actions, the better our outcomes. We aren't guaranteed to win, and just because you make great choices and take great actions, you're not going to automatically succeed. But as we talked about and Chris talked about earlier, there's things that happen outside of your control that derail you, that upset you. You're better positioned to respond effectively when that happens. Would just start you all over again, creating more actions, responding in the right way to help influence better outcomes and so that's what i'm all about the book is a quick and easy read i tried to at the end of every chapter give not only just a summary but takeaways like when we talk about this idea of outworking your talent and why effort is way more important than talent in the long run what does that look like in your work what what could that look like in your fitness what does that look like in your relationships in life because i didn't want it to be this pie in the sky of oh this sounds good i wanted somebody to be able to walk away and say oh Here's one thing I can do on a daily basis. And if that's the only thing you do, do it every day for the rest of the year and watch how it changes your life. Now, Jake, I, I, I,
1: I would say I live by, you know, your, your message. I, I can't say it like, you know, I have bought in to what you do. Other people like you, my mindset has completely shifted. Chris can attest to that. the way I was, you know, when we started this podcast three years ago, it's how I am now. You know, a lot of it really, oh, dear God, like, he was
2: a miserable <laughs> SOB. <Stop laughs> it.
1: It's true. But, um, you know, the way the way I kind of like look at things now and talk to people and think about situations and myself and what I can, you know, I, I really I needed you on the show. You got me to that point of like regular guy versus like I want to be a leader. I want to help drive, people, you know, so like your message, your brand I have bought in. Obviously, I got one of the shirts on right now. Beat yesterday is one of my thing. I love that beat yesterday. That's my whole thing. Right. One percent better every day. No, it's not yours, but one percent better every day. <laughs> and continue to move on from where I was. You know, I, I really wanted educators out there to understand this. I, I think so many people hear about podcasts. Oh, more education podcasts? I don't need to hear that. I shifted, found your podcast. Don't even know how, how I did it, but followed you on social media, read the book, got the swag, did all that stuff. Your message for everybody out there, I really think if you're in a bad place, listen, learn, reach out to Jake. I think he would be there. Jake, I, I'm trying to get you into schools. I think... Your message for students, especially like I want you to talk to my middle school kids. I'm trying to figure that out. One, we're gonna make that happen. I promise you. I'm getting to New Jersey. So, Let's do it. So, so Jake, tell everybody who's listening where they can find you.
3: Yeah, best place to start is competeeveryday.com. Uh, you'll find everything on there. Uh, me personally, I'm most active on Instagram at Jake Thompson Speaks um, or on LinkedIn. And so, if you're listening tonight. Uh, Or today, whenever this is airing and and want to have some questions on stuff we talked about around grit, around responding, shoot me a DM. Would love to continue the conversation, see how I can add value to help you on where you are on this journey. Because the work y'all are doing to impact students is so incredibly important. And more than anything, the last few years, like kids are hurting mentally. They are isolated. They are struggling. And a lot of them have lost Perhaps that belief in themselves of of what's possible just because of maybe the roller coaster they've been through, so the work you're doing is so important to help just open up their minds and the best way we do that is by opening up our own mind and setting the example first and then speaking that life into them
2: Jake, thank you, and my my last question is a question yeah. We typically ask all our guests, but I'm going to tweak it a little differently for you and I just want to know how do you learn, where are you learning, where are you going to continue to grow? in what you do.
3: Yeah. So uh, multiple spots. So behind me, you can see my bookshelves. Uh, I'm always reading 10 minutes every day. At least I'm reading a book. Um, I listen to a number of podcasts. Um, I just got a mental performance mastery certification from Brian Kane. Um, I attend one to two conferences a year that I'm not speaking at, um, either to see friends speak, to learn, to sit, to network, uh, to open my eyes on that. Um, and then I have a coach. I have two coaches right now uh, that I hire and work with, depending on kind of what my focus is. And so for me, that's where I try to go everywhere. I try to learn. I'm trying to read it every day. I'm listening to something every day. Writing for me, um, as you know, the, the more we have to teach something, the better we learn it. And so teaching every day is a huge p- component of my learning. But then just finding people in situations that I need to get around on a consistent basis and being intentional that, man, yeah, I'll trade a Thursday to Saturday that, man, might be fun to go to a beach. But if I can do this Thursday to Saturday, go to this event, learn something, apply that something, what would it do to change my career, my life or the relationships I have? And so those are the opportunities I consistently look for. And so if you're listening, like regardless of your budget, podcasts are free. My book's like 15 bucks. Most books on this shelf are anywhere from 10 to 20 bucks. Do that for free. You save up and go to an event. If you get a chance to go to an educator's event, don't just go to drink and have fun and get away from the classroom for a few days. Ask questions, network with people, get to know folks that have been in your shoes that are 10, 20 years ahead, and then look for the people that are just starting out that you can reach back to and help as well. And so life is constantly looking for opportunities to learn and finding and then just finding a way to share them forward. Thank, Thank you so guys.
2: much. You want to take us home, Chris? That's going to do it for episode 118 of Podcast PD. You're going to want to go to competeeveryday.com, or you're going to want to connect with Jake Thompson. Again, connect with him on social media, pick up the swag, read his book, ask him questions. And uh, thank you, Jake, for being with us, and thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Wave goodbye,
0: everybody. Thank you for checking out this episode of Podcast PD. For links to everything that we discussed in this episode, you can visit the show notes at our website, podcastpd.com. To connect with the show on social media, we are at Podcast PD on Instagram and Twitter, and we share using the hashtag Podcast PD. To connect with AJ and myself, we are on Twitter, at Mr. Nessie, and at AJ Bianco. We would love to hear from you, so please go to podcastpd.com slash feedback and send us an email, send us a voice message, whatever you need to do. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you share it with somebody that you think would get value from it. Word of mouth is the best way to share a podcast you enjoy, and we hope you enjoy Podcast PD. We appreciate you listening, we appreciate your sharing, and we love creating this podcast for you. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.